scripture reading this morning comes from Luke 5, 12 to 16, and when someone finds it, why don't you shout out a page number for us? 1600 even? Thank you. So for our um, guests or visitors, we're working our way through the Gospel of Luke, story of Jesus Christ and his work in our midst and for us. And last week we heard Jesus call Simon Peter and James and John. He encountered them um, with his powerful healing love. And he called them away from fishing. And he said, Come with me, you're gonna you're gonna fish after you're gonna chase after men. And uh, it was a, a holy encounter because he met them in their unholiness and didn't respond with condemnation or with anger, but simply with grace, saying, Come with me. And we're gonna see them change as they come with Jesus. And that's a partly what we're doing as we walk with Jesus through the Gospel of Luke, we're being changed as we follow him. And so, this is the first thing that Luke records after Jesus has called his disciples. While Jesus... Let me read the line before that we finished with last week. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and he begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, Don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news spread about him all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. God's word. Before I begin preaching this sermon, I want to say um, three things really quickly about this, the text that we just read that I think are important for us to pick up, but they're not going to make their way into the sermon. So I just want you to hear them right up front. The first is that little bit about Jesus telling the leper, go to the priest and um, offer the sacrifices commanded for your cleansing and uh, do that as a testimony to them. Why is Jesus doing that? Because all of the Old Testament prophecies that had um, spoken about Jesus coming talked about what the Messiah or the Savior would be like. And they said that when he comes... His coming will be accompanied by miracles, by signs. He's going to heal the sick, give sight to the blind. And so what Jesus is doing here, by sending him to the priest, 
is he's saying, again, we heard this earlier in Luke, I am in keeping with the tradition or the way that God has been reaching out to the world already. Remember, we've heard this over and over. started with Abram, the people of Israel, from which Jesus would come for the sake of the world. And Jesus is saying, I am consistent with what God has been doing. And he's giving notice to the priests. The Messiah is here. The kingdom of God is coming. So that's the first thing. Second thing is, while Jesus heals this man, I believe that this miracle, this cleansing, is about much more than physical healing. And so I'm going to preach it that way. I'm actually not going to focus on the physical healing. Um, we're, we'll hear a lot more about physical healing and Jesus' healing ministry as we go through the Gospel of Luke. You all know that we believe Jesus still heals. He um, actually has been doing that regularly in our midst as we've been praying. And I hope you don't mind me sharing, Linda, but um, last week, Linda received some prayer after the service and received physical healing for something that was ailing her. So God heals, but we're not going to concentrate on the physical part of the healing uh, but rather on another part as we look at this this text this morning. And then the last thing is that at the end of the text, Luke says, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And I think when I read, first read that, I thought that's a whole sermon in and of itself right there. Uh, and we'll, we'll get to that because Luke actually is going to lift up for us Jesus' prayer life. So we'll hear more about Jesus' prayer life. But for this morning, what I want us to simply notice is this. For Jesus... When the going gets tough, when life and ministry get tougher, Jesus prays more. So the pattern of the world would be that when life gets hard and um, there's more work and more ministry, God has ministry for each of us, that we would work harder and work more. Right? We'd throw ourselves, it gets harder, we'd throw ourselves in more. What does Jesus do? Withdraws to spend more time with God the Father. So let's just hear that. Take that for information. And we'll say more about that later. Okay? All right. Last Sunday evening, I was sitting on our porch uh, by myself. And somehow or another, I started to um, think back to the events of 9-11. 9-11, when the, those two planes flew into the Twin Towers. And... Um, one thing led to another, and I thought, I'm going to do a, just going to do a little bit of reading, a little bit of research about what happened on that day. And as I did, I started reading about, about the day. I came across a story and a video about the many people that had jumped. They jumped from the towers. And um, they did that to escape burning alive. And, and, you know, I had this battle going on inside of me when I started watching that video. Like, I don't want to watch this. You know, it's so horrible. But there was this other part of me that said, you know, um, think about these people. Demonstrate a little reverence for their lives by considering their plight, by considering what they've gone through. And so I did. I watched and I thought about them. And I began to think, these were men and women who had left their homes that morning and kissed their wives and their husbands and their kids goodbye. And they'd left... Um, expecting to come home and that life would just be normal. It would be the same as it always had been. And they had fully expected that nothing like this would happen. And yet, three hours later, here they were caught in a burning inferno. And so for 10 or 15 minutes, whatever it was after these planes had hit, 
they had been leaning. You could see them leaning out the windows, screaming and calling for help. And now the fire is on their floor. And it's now it's in their office. And now there's no more time for them. They're, they're standing there and their choice is literally burn alive or jump to their death. And so I'm just thinking, you know, for one, one moment, one moment to the next, everything changes for these people. Everything. And that's when it strikes me, sitting there, it strikes me that actually the man in our text for this morning is not too different. And so we're going to call him Josiah, or Joe for short. We're just going to imagine that Joe wakes up one morning with a sore on his hand and a little bit of numbness in the end of his fingertips. And that by the end of the week, it's more numb. And by the end of the month, it's worse. And after several months, Joe finally decides he's going to heed his wife's encouragement and go to the doctor. And the doctor says, Oh, Joe, this isn't good news. Joe, this is leprosy. And he sends him to the priest. And on top of the doctor's devastating diagnosis, the priest lays down his own crushing set of news. Joe, I'm really sorry, but I'm going to need to declare you unclean. You need to leave your family. You need to leave the community. In fact, you need to leave the city and you may not return for any reason. Well, Joe is stunned. It's like he's just had the wind knocked out of him. I mean, he can hardly breathe. But after several minutes, he, he finally manages to squeak out the words, I've, I've got to go, go back. I've got to go back to my wife and children. I need to tell them. I need to tell them and I need to say goodbye. And then Joe receives the death blow. Joe, I'm sorry, but you can't do that. You can't go back to see them. You are a threat to society and we don't want you to contaminate anyone else. You must leave immediately and anywhere you go, Joe, I'm sorry, but you need to call out unclean, unclean to warn people that you're coming. Joe crumples to the floor in a heap of tears and moaning. And a part of him dies on the floor right there. Well, six years have passed since that day. And the leprosy has taken its toll on Joe's body and his soul. His body's been ravaged. Now it's covered from head to toe with open sores. He's already lost a couple of his fingers. He has to use crutches to hobble around and he can hardly stand the smell of his own body. But far worse than his body's breakdown is the pain of watching his children grow up from a distance. Every night, his wife and one of their kids make their way to within half a mile of the camp. And they leave some food for him on a small ledge. And from a distance... Joe watches his wife's hair sprinkle with silver and her face begin to be creased with anxiety. He longs to hold her. He wants to talk to her and to have her company. He sees his children from a distance growing up day by day. And he longs. He longs to be with his children. He longs to play with them, to learn about them, to teach and encourage and live life with them. And it's like every day, his heart is just torn out of his chest again and again. And every time they come to bring him food, he has this deep longing to show himself. 
to come and to talk to them, to connect. And, and then the voice of shame takes over. You can't show yourself. You'll scare your children. Your wife will be ashamed of you. You look like a monster. And these words come easy to his mind because it's what he hears every day. Anytime a non-leper comes close enough to spot him, they're quick enough to remind him of his appearance. They make wide paths around him. And they warn their children to keep a great distance. They scowl and they plug their noses. And they make him feel like he shouldn't even be alive. Joe is cut off. He's unwanted. He's dirty. He's rejected. He's alone. And he has no hope of anything except a miserable, half-dead existence until he dies. No hope. Everything has been stolen from him. No hope. That is, until he begins to hear about Jesus. The first whiff of Jesus that he catches is a story coming from three towns over. There's a man, a prophet it seems, who's teaching. It's, it's, like, it's like listening to heaven itself. I mean, you should see this guy. He, he drives out evil spirits. And you're not going to believe this. We actually heard that, that he made um, a lame girl walk. Well, at first, Joe's reticent to believe. I, it's too good to be true, he thinks. He's not, allow, he's not about to allow hope to come alive that easily. It hurts to hope. And, and his heart has long since shut down to feeling. But then another story comes. And another. He makes the blind see. He straightens out bent backs. He healed a leper one town over. And he's coming. He's coming this way. It's true. I heard it. He's going to be here within an hour. And that's all Joe needs to let himself believe that maybe... Just maybe there's hope for him too. And so he picks up his crutches and as fast as he can carry himself, he heads toward town. And just over an hour later, he's exhausted, but moving steadily toward the crowd that's developing, he hobbles and he, and he hobbles and he says, unclean, unclean. Well, predictably, the crowd divides before him. They don't want to get near him. And before Joe can think about it, all of a sudden, he's standing. He's, there he is, standing six feet away from Jesus. And the moment that he looks into Jesus' eyes, he knows it's true. The moment that he looks into Jesus' eyes, all of the rejection and the hurt and the fear and the loneliness and the pain of the last six years melt away in the deep, deep love that he sees in Jesus' eyes. And so he falls on his face and he says, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And the next two seconds are the longest Seconds of his life. But what happens next will never be forgotten. A hand comes to rest on top of his head. He's touching me. 
He's touching me. How can this be? I haven't been touched in over six years. I'm dirty. I'm unclean. I'm untouchable. But there's a hand resting on my head. And then he hears the words, I am willing. I'm willing. Be clean. And immediately, the leprosy leaves him. Immediately, his death sentence is reversed and he's given life and he's given hope and he's given newness and cleanness and he doesn't know what to do. This is all so overwhelming. And then there's a gentle voice whispering in his ear, don't tell anyone, but go to the priest and offer the sacrifice Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. And so slowly Joe rises and he looks once again into those eyes of love and then he pulls Jesus in and he hugs him hard and he says, thank you, thank you. And the tears continue to flow. And then he turns and he leaves and he goes to find the wife and the children that he hasn't touched, that he hasn't held in six years. And then Jesus turns to see Simon Peter and James and John looking on at him with awe because he's just called them to come fishing for people and he's just given them the most important lesson in fishing for people. That if you're going to go with God to catch people, that you need to love them first. That you must love them enough to enter into and to touch them in the place of their greatest neediness, dirtiness, uncleanliness. You know, Jesus doesn't have to touch this leper to heal him. He can heal him with His words. He can say, be clean. He can heal him from a distance like the centurion's servant. He, he can heal any way he wants. But Jesus puts his hand on the leper because he knows that this man needs to be touched. He needs love and acceptance and he needs physical healing. But he needs those things much more. And Jesus isn't afraid of the thing that makes him unclean. And so Jesus shows His disciples and He shows us again this morning that we have a God who is personal and a God who meets us, touches us, meets us in the place of our greatest, deepest brokenness. Wherever is the dirt, wherever is the grime, wherever is the thing that makes us unclean, ashamed, we have a God full of compassion who isn't afraid of going there. He's not afraid of being dirtied by our dirt. In fact, He's a God who's going to come to that place and in that place is going to make us clean. Because brothers and sisters, leprosy and skin diseases are not a problem in this congregation and they're not a problem on the west side, but we don't have any shortage of things that make us unclean or that work like leprosy to separate us from God and from relationship with each other. And that's the point here. This passage isn't first and foremost about physical, about disease and physical healing as real and as good as that is. It's about the unclean things that function to break down 
God's good creation. It's about those death sentences that we've been handed because of our own sins and the sins of others against us. Those things that make us feel like the leper, like we're on the outside looking in. Whether that's a sin we're currently stuck in or a pattern of sin that's been perpetrated against us, whether it's something we're hiding and we can't bear the thought of bringing out, or whether it's something that everybody already knows and the shame that we carry about it, whether it's the hopelessness of feeling like there can't, be a possi- there can't possibly be a cure for my uncleanliness, or whether it's the darkness of believing I'll always have to live this way. It's never going to change. It's all about the ways that we've become dirty and that our uncleanliness has muddied our relationship with God and with each other. And it's about the willingness, the willingness of God to make us clean. I am willing, Jesus said. But that willingness comes on the heels of what? A call for help. And that's important. The text says he begged Jesus. And the word that Luke uses here is really strong. It's implores. And so this is no half-hearted, Jesus, I would really appreciate it if you could. Jesus, this is life and death, gut-wrenching, laying it all on the line by a man who knows there is hope nowhere else. There's hope nowhere else. He's seen the doctors. They say there's no cure for leprosy. There is now, but there wasn't then. There's no hope. He's looking hope in the face. And so this is imploring from a man who knows that Jesus is the only source of hope. And since he's looking hope in the face, he isn't going to let him go. He's, he's laying it all on the line. He's getting it all. He's, Lord, help! Psalm 145, 14 and 18 says, The Lord lifts up all who are bowed down, all who fall. The Lord is near to all. Notice the alls. All who call on Him in truth. God the Father longs to save. Longs to heal. Longs to bring His healing touch to our hearts. To our relationships. To our lives. But He doesn't do that like zap. We've got to call on Him. We've got to say, Help if you're willing, Lord. And we've got to call with all our hearts. Not because we earn God's favor by raising our volume or having a higher intensity level. But because what's in the heart matters. And God comes to the heart that knows its need. And the heart that's willing to call out for help. Lord, if you are willing... You can make me clean. You can heal me. You can silence the voices of guilt and shame. You can take away the heaviness. You can restore appropriate self-love. You can bring lightness and joy and peace. You can be a father to me. A father who restores my bruised and battered heart. Who renews my ability to trust and to love.
you can forgive and cleanse and heal me. You can. And so the Lord comes to us this morning with this invitation. What is it that you might like for me to make clean? What are your leprous spots? Jesus comes with that question with a willingness, a great willingness to cleanse our consciences and our lives through the blood that He's already shed. And so, I'm going to invite us to respond to Jesus' invitation silently by naming to the Lord those things that we want for Him to make clean, to remove. And I exhort you, I encourage you, that if the Holy Spirit is speaking, if God is, if God is bringing hope and saying, your heart, your life can change, the Lord longs to remove that which is dirtying, that you'd respond to the Lord right now. Don't wait until you go home. But right now, in God's presence, speak to Him those things. And I'm going to lead us into silent prayer. And then Lindsay will lead us into singing a song, I Cry Out for Your Hand of Mercy to Heal Me, a song of response. Okay? Let's pray. Lord, even as um, I've been preaching, You have been reaching down into our hearts and You have been drawing out those things that we're ashamed of, those things that um, have been done to us, those things that we've done, those things that dirty. And You come longing to cleanse. And You invite us to name those things to You because You long to remove them. And so, Lord, 